Welcome to the Global Digital Banker Podcast. I'm your host, Adele Grassaf, and today I'm joined by Robert Bell, CEO for 86400, a new neobank in Australia. Rob, thanks for your time. Uh, thanks for talking to me. Great to be here. So 86400 was granted a full ADI license from APRA back in July this year, making you the newest bank in Australia. Uh, You then launched the offering nationwide a few months later. So talk to me about the day that you found out about the license and what's the experience been so far? Well, it was obviously a very exciting day for us because we had actually put a lot of time into our technology and we had been operating effectively as a bank in trial mode for uh, almost a year. Um, so to actually get the license and then to be able to take products to market was really exciting for the for the team. Uh, mostly mm. because we, we obviously wanted to uh, get our product in the hands of Australians. Yes, absolutely. What's been the response so far? We've been really pleased with the response. Uh, we effectively got our license and we had our uh, app in the Google Play and uh, app store within 24 hours of getting the full banking license. We went through a period of friends and family sort of final testing for the first about eight weeks. Uh, And then we publicly launched uh, about eight weeks ago. So we're seeing a rapid uptake from Australians, getting really good feedback across all our channels. Uh, And of course, we're just getting started. So we're obviously adding features and, and changing the product you know, releasing the app on on average on a weekly basis at the moment. So it's very early days, but it's very exciting, the reception we've had today. Absolutely. And I mean, the Australian market's been typically led by, you know, four major incumbent banks and a selection of second tier banks and building societies. 86400 positions itself as more than just a typical bank. So what are some of the examples of the value added offering that you guys are really providing to the Australian consumers? Yeah, great question. Uh, we, we think of ourselves as a smart bank uh, and we've used technology to deliver a whole bunch of smarts that, that others are not doing in the marketplace. And let me give you some examples of those features. But before I do that, it's probably worthwhile just spending a second on what the problem is we're trying to solve in the Australian market. Um, mm-hmm. When we did our research, we found that you know banking had become really difficult. People have relationships with more than one bank. They have more money coming in and out of their accounts than they've ever had before. Uh, And they have more transactions in a day by tapping their phone and card than they ever have. And what that does is it leaves Australians feeling uh, not in control of their money, stressed about money. And so everything we've done in terms of features has been designed around how do we help people take control of their money? How how do they take control of their finances? So some of the features that we've uh, added, um, a great example of this is our upcoming bills feature. So banking traditionally has really just been about what's happened in the past. It's been a sort of a record of what you've done up until today. What we're actually doing is uh, using data and analytics to help customers see what's happening in the future. So we actually predict customers' bills so they can see that they've got a subscription coming up in a week's time or a power bill coming up in two weeks' time. And this gives them a a snapshot. It helps them save money um, to make sure they've got money in the account to pay those bills. And people have been making fantastic savings because we've surfaced things like subscriptions that customers haven't even used for 12 months. So they're able to cancel those subscriptions uh, and save real money. Yeah, I think that's definitely something, um, you know, the subscriptions piece is is massive and you just don't notice it. Even, you know, if it's a fairly nominal recurring payment, it's not something that's going to really be drawn to your attention, you know, unless isolated in that way. 
look, there was some, some interesting research that we commissioned earlier in the year, and it showed that Australians are spending almost $2.7 billion on subscriptions that they haven't used. It's a massive amount of money. And it's very easy not to become aware of these things because money just comes in and out of your account uh, automatically. Yeah, exactly. And I think that proactive identifier of upcoming bills as well is something that will really make a difference. I mean, in the UK market, we saw a lot of the PFM, personal financial management tools roll out. And I think the ones that have been most successful have been those forward looking ones. I think it's it's always super useful to be able to categorize spend and um, have a look back at how the month was, how your spending's tracking compared to say prior months. But I think the ones that really really do make an impact are the ones that are guiding you looking forward before you make big purchasing, knowing that you've got some upcoming expenses to consider. Absolutely. And the thing that we do that's, a, that's very different is we actually allow 86400 customers to connect bank accounts from their other banks. Uh, we've got a saying, it's okay to keep seeing other banks. Join 86400 and try us, but it's okay to keep seeing other banks. And we actually use our technology to look across all customers' bank accounts, across all their bank accounts at their other banks, to predict mm-hmm. bills. So not just bills that are coming out of their 86400 accounts, but bills that are coming across all their other bank accounts. So give them a complete picture of their, their financial world in the 86400 app. So they get a total picture of their finances in the 86400 app. Yeah, removing those barriers of having to log into multiple apps, remember to check certain accounts, having it all in one ecosystem certainly um, helping on that ease of use perspective there. On that topic, so Open Banking is set to launch formally in Australia in in February 2020. Um, And in September this year, the ACCC announced Australia's first Open Banking data recipients, with yourselves being one of them. So that's pretty huge. I mean, what does this mean for your bank? Well, the first thing to think about is the the philosophy behind opening banking. And we really strongly believe that customers should own their data uh, mm. and they should have control of their data. That's a very different perspective than to, to what perhaps the big four banks in Australia have. Mm-hmm. And if you're collecting data, you should use it to actually help customers, not simply to sell them more product. You actually should add some value to it. And that's mm. what we're trying to do already with uh, the bill predictor as an example. Open banking is really exciting because it's a better way of being able to use data going forward. So we're, we're really excited about it. Uh, we're agitating for it to be useful and to be practical. And that's why we're one of the early participants. We've designed the whole bank to be open bank ready. And uh, we, we think it'll be great for Australians uh, in the long term. The only caution I would say is because open banking is a really hot topic at the moment, is that what we've seen in, you know, from the UK and other markets, it will take uh, longer than what people expect to become really useful. Uh, It's a technical challenge for the big banks in particular who haven't had a great record at uh, implementing these type of projects. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we are optimistic and we're certainly agitating for the consumer and, you know, look forward to seeing what we can deliver for open banking and what it can actually do for customers in general. Mm. Are there any specific learnings that you're taking into consideration from how you've seen it play out in these other markets? Look, I think the main thing is that it becomes more useful when multiple banks make the data available. Um, Obviously, if you only have a small set of banks making data available, it does become difficult. So getting widespread adoption of open banking uh, is really important. Other than that, it's really just timing. I think 
people get a little bit excited about the timing. And I think building use cases purely on open banking is probably not a great idea at this stage. But architecturing ready for open banking is, is definitely in our thinking. Mm-hmm. So being a fairly new bank to market, what have been some of the challenges or unexpected challenges faced so far? The biggest challenge that uh, that we face probably surprises people. It's actually deciding which idea and which product we're going to bring to market first. Mm. We've done an enormous amount of research and there are so many things that can be done better in banking. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of lists of things that we have and the ideas that we have are incredible. All ideas that add great value to customers, all ideas that are very doable with the technology that's available today. The challenge for us is really just picking the right ones and not trying to do too much too quickly. So mm-hmm. we constantly work to balance utility. In other words, just the basics that people expect to do from a bank. We've launched a transaction account with Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, Google Pay, Fitbit, Garmin Pay, real-time payments through the MPP, a card, obviously, to take cash out of ATMs. Um, so we've got this enormous utility that not all the banks have. And then we try and balance that with features that will actually genuinely help people and wow people. And just getting the balance right between those two is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just doing a few things really, really well and then testing and trialing new things. That's probably the biggest challenge is, is not trying to do everything on day one. Yeah. And it's hard when you've got so many great ideas for the customer and you just want to get them to market to really start solving those problems. Absolutely. You know, we've got a really, really smart team. Uh, we are about 50% of our team is effectively engineers and developers. And so we've got great capability. And just the fact that we've stood up an entire bank, an end-to-end bank, uh, in the period of time we have, uh, is really an incredible achievement. But everyone in the team just sees it as a starting point. Mm. Uh, it's a really strong starting point. We've got transactions accounts live. We've got savings accounts live. You can open an account in 120 seconds, which is just incredible. No paperwork required. That's the one thing that customers just keep telling us. They just can't believe that it can be that easy to open a bank account with a bank. They're just not used to that experience. Transactions accounts and savings accounts are live. Uh, We actually have home loans live and we're about to launch them very shortly, actually. So it's a pretty strong product set, but obviously we want to do more. Yeah. In the Australian market, we've seen a few other neobanks as well, payments organisations pop up. I know recently some of the big incumbent banks have reworked their digital offering. Another incumbent bank recently announced a new digital only offering. What's what's the view on that from your perspective? Look, there's uh, inevitably going to be new players in the Australian market uh, to the extent that they can deliver a different product, a different service and that consumers are better in Australia, I think that's overall a really positive thing Mm -hmm. for the market. We actually spend, contrary to what some people think, most of our time thinking about how can we create better product, better service, better experience than the big four banks? Because if we just concentrated on uh, the current market captured by uh, new entrants in the market, we'd be looking at a very, very small market. Uh, The four large banks in Australia dominate retail banking, 80% of customers uh, in the marketplace and that's obviously where we have to spend our time and effort uh, and that and that's effectively what we do so to the extent that there are others successful I think that's going to be positive for the overall uh, segment. Yeah absolutely more competition and ultimately the customer is going to win at the end of the day. Another question 
question I had, it was more about future of retail banking. So, so in the UK and across Europe, there are a number of new challenger players who launched with free-to-join accounts who are now charging for a more premium offering for, say, current accounts or savings accounts. Can you see a time in the Australian market whereby Australian consumers would pay for such sort of accounts? Uh, look, it's difficult to predict what's going to happen in the future. Certainly, I think the days of actually charging for transactions accounts and savings accounts in Australia is coming to a close pretty quickly. Mm. Uh, I think if you're, you know, if, uh, you're paying monthly fees for a transaction account, then I suggest you look elsewhere. Mm. Um, Eighty six hundred will be a great place to start. Mm-hmm. But um, how how the models will change over time, I think, is yet to be decided in Australia. We as a bank still think that banking is a pretty simple business. You should be able to lend money to people who need it to buy homes and reward people who save money by paying a reasonable interest rate. And the difference in between is obviously our margin. So unlike many of the new digital banks around the world, you know, we're effectively within nine weeks of publicly launching, we'll, we'll effectively have home loans live as well. So we'll have both sides of the balance sheet. So we don't need to look to subscription models to make revenue. Wonderful. And what does success look like for 86400? Well, there's two metrics to us that we care deeply about. The first one is customer satisfaction. Mm-hmm. How are people finding us? You know, How are they finding the experience? And the second is uh, customer advocacy. So are people prepared to actually recommend us uh, to their friends and family? We believe if we can actually get those two metrics right, then we'll be able to acquire a lot of new customers and we'll ultimately be successful. Mm -hmm. So customer success for us does equal business success. And that's really strong in our our philosophy and uh, in our values. So the things that we're doing, you know, the reason why we do things like give customers friendly nudges to say, hey, put some more money in your account so you can earn the maximum interest rate, Mm. is that we're trying to genuinely help a customer uh, and we believe that will drive satisfaction and that will drive advocacy. So they're the two most important metrics for us at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, we think we get the metrics right, then the rest will take care of itself. Exactly. A very, very exciting time. And for those listening who are working at incumbent organisations, whether it be a bank, a technology organisation, looking back, you've worked at a number of big incumbent financial institutions and technology companies across the uh, APAC region. What sparked the move to a challenger bank? What advice would you give to others looking to maybe make the switch from an incumbent to a new player? Yeah, look, I've been privileged to work at a very large bank in Australia, in the Pacific, in Japan, and to be involved in some really cool technology projects and new businesses in those big banks. There's a big difference in a, in a startup. And the big difference really is that we need people who are prepared to roll their sleeves up and actually do an incredible amount of work. Uh, at 86400, we, we run an agile environment. Uh, every two weeks, we have a Friday afternoon showcase. We're effectively, the team are standing up and talking about what they've delivered in the last two weeks. Mm. So the big difference is around the speed of delivery and the depth and breadth that we expect people to have. We've got a little saying that you know, if you're looking for an expert in the business, sometimes you've just got to stroll into the bathroom and look in the mirror because the expert we're probably looking for is you. You just need to, need to go and do some research and actually find out the answer. Um, so we've got people who are really happy to roll up their sleeves and, and, and do work. But we've also recruited people that have really broad technology and, and broad banking experience. 
it's a different pace to a very large bank, but it's incredibly rewarding for people who like to get stuff done, mm. who like to try things and who like to really build something they can be proud of. Mm. Absolutely. Well, Robert, it's been such a pleasure. It's such a great story. You know, something personally that really interests me growing up in Australia and really seeing how that landscape's evolving over time. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing the journey so far. And no doubt we'll all be following it very closely. Great to chat to you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Global Digital Banker podcast. To listen to previous episodes, head to globaldigitalbanker.com, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed the episode, it would be great if you could leave us a quick review, or if you're interested in being a part of the show, drop us a note at gdbpodcast at rfigroup.com.